the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 223. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Nate Dunn. I'm Nathan Mercer. Welcome along, chaps. Great to have you here. Thanks again for inviting me, Paul. Thanks for having me. A pleasure. Now, Nate, just for those that don't know you, where do you fit into the technology world in New Zealand? Uh, so I'm one of the directors of a software company called 3Bit. We are a Microsoft shop, which is quite convenient, with Nathan sitting next to me. And we do a lot of Zero stuff, and I also moderate off GeekZone and sit on Twitter as Nate, which seems to be a big thing. It's only four letters or something. <laughs> and I work at Microsoft here in New Zealand, and I look after our devices. Great. What does that look like, looking after devices? Do you sort of run around and sort of, you know, like pat them and... Corralling them, <laughs> washing them, yeah. Tucking them in at night before you go home. Okay, we'll leave that description, actually. I quite like that. Well, let's jump in. First up, our little news bites of the week. First of all, MYOB, the accounting company, accounting software company based in Australia, uh, launching onto the Australian Stock Exchange. Valuation in the 2.4 to $2.7 billion range. Nate, what's your thought on this as somebody who works pretty closely with MYOBs in the Australian New Zealand region and arch rival with Zero? What are you? What's your uh, What's your tainted opinion on this? Uh, very biased, but <laughs> tainted. <laughs> How do you? No, I think I think it is game over for them. They're just being bounced around by the different equity firms. The first one, I can't remember the name of them. That bought them at five hundred and twenty odd million, then sold them to Bain Capital for one point to whatever it was and the thing that scared me about them is the amount of debt they've got they're just loaded right up to the eyeballs with debt Um, and now they're going on to the public stock exchange I do think desktop is dead I don't think the cloud version of their desktop software works at all very well so if I was there I would not be buying shares in them but it's your money if you want to waste it go for it what do you think? Interesting Nathan do you think there's a lot of future these traditional, you know, traditional sort of software firm like MYB, I guess they are transitioning to cloud offerings. Uh, I think the, you know, I think the the main challenge there is is how do you bridge the gap between all of that legacy stuff that you've got, your legacy architecture, and, and it seems to me probably a little bit like Nate just said. Um, it seems like a lot of these companies basically lipstick on a pig and cloudify their kind of existing offerings, and I think that's you know a big advantage that Zero has is that they're born in the cloud. And all of their tools are all cloud. And that's got to represent a pretty significant challenge for a bunch of those companies. You know, having said that, I see that Xero has been downgraded today out of Australia by the Macquarie Bank. I don't know if that's anything to do with MYOB, but it's an interesting, interesting uh, scenario. It is indeed. Now, in other news, Tesla, we're hearing that they're launching something other than a car coming up, coming up soon. Any uh, any predictions there, Nate? Of what uh, Tesla might be getting into? I, lo- I love how a whole news story can be launched on the the back of just one tweet. It's inc- what, it, a, what a world we live in! Now. It's great, isn't it? So Elon Musk, the the guy behind it, and is behind SpaceX and a few other things, PayPal and blah blah. Yeah, just had one tweet that said he's, something was coming, and it has nothing to do with vehicles. And then this huge rumor mill just kicked off about what it could be. I have no idea. I, I don't know what you guys think, but maybe phones like he's going to attack Apple before Apple get possibly into his market like the rumours were I don't know well we had some discussion before around uh, 
batteries because they've done some smart stuff with the, the batteries in their vehicles, uh, Mr. Mercer? Yeah, look, I, I, I'm not going to say what I think it is but because um, I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> but um, I... Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be around batteries. And, and just, you know, two things there, Nate. It's pretty interesting, the whole, uh, you know, Apple-Tesla thing around, you know, press and people getting excited and, and the whole kind of clickbait thing because that whole rumour about Apple getting into cars, I mean, that was made... There was one guy at Apple who led up the iPod team who used to work for a car manufacturer. He worked for a car manufacturer for three years. That was 16 years ago when he got straight out of college. And, and now suddenly the rumour is Apple are going to get into cars. I personally don't think Apple are going to get into cars. They're obviously doing a whole bunch of stuff with the car industry because of the integration and with their, um, you know, their CarPlay technology. Um, but you know, the car manufacturers have seen this story before. They know what happens if they let Apple, you know, get into that business, and they'll lose touch with customers. And I think the auto industry will um, will fight that pretty hard. Sure, they might not be making the margins that you make on an iPhone, but they are pretty big companies. It's true. Now, another news, uh, local company uh, Datacom have won a rather sizable government contract in Australia, Australia $242 million to provide IT infrastructure and support services to the Federal Department of Health, the Australian Federal Department of Health. I find this kind of interesting because you know, New Zealand's been outsourcing uh, things like our well, the payroll for schools to Australian well, to an Australian company, and there have been other things that have been outsourced to Australia, and now we're seeing the Australian companies doing the opposite, the other direction. In fact, I think the payroll system that the Ministry of Education were using previously was actually from Datacom. So it, it it's, was, it's yeah. all kind of fascinating, isn't so, it? The payment. Yeah, no, it was. It was. Yeah. yeah. The, the interesting thing is that, you know, that deal was probably done some time ago when the New Zealand dollar wasn't almost at parity with the Australian. You, you've got to wonder how much of the deal was because of that. But, you know, good on Datacom. They, they do really, really well in Australia, and, you know, and they also do a bunch of stuff up into Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines as well. So it's great to see a, you know, a New Zealand-owned company doing that sort of stuff in the, around the region. But I think overall we do very well in that medical field. If you think about Fisher & Paykel, that was it a year ago or two years ago bought that American firm that also manufactured those health machines and respirators and all that sort of stuff. And then also looking at Orion Health, who have done a lot of software, especially up into the Northern Ireland. They won a contract at the end of last year or, or the UK, somewhere up there. I think that sort of niche we operate very well in. We can go in there and do a really, really good job. And anyone that competes in that same space or wants to compete in that same space knows it's just going to be too hard because the solution that's already there is already at a price point where they just can't compete and it's they've already got the market stitched up. So, yeah, I think medicals have been traditionally a very good field for us and so Datacom probably found that a, a nice, easy solution to slide into. Yeah, and then, yeah, then I guess you've got other New Zealand companies like Orion Health here in Auckland doing big stuff there as well. Yeah, well, I think it's great that we can find those sort of niches and it's certainly exactly what NZ Inc. needs to be, uh, needs some, to be doing. And some export dollars. Exactly. All right, well, uh, jumping into our sort of main topics of the week. Nathan, you've got a product sitting beside you. you now, you've got a product sitting on your lap, which is the Surface Pro 3 that's been around we for should, a We should have said it was an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we've got, uh, Nathan, Nathan's here with, a, with an iPad. My, he, uh, my iPad's in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> and what other Apple products have you got there, Mr. Microsoft? <laughs> what's, that, what's that blue iPad that you're holding? Well, I've got one of everything, so... <laughs> Well, so, you, you actually do, I know that. You have so many gadgets. So we released Pro 3 about eight months ago, 
And then 2am this morning we announced uh, basically a new device in the Surface family which is the Surface 3, which is this device here, which I'm passing to Nate. Thank you. And a uh, couple of interesting things about this device. You know, Pro 3 still stays around, but we really wanted to kind of come out and have a thinner, lighter, cheaper version of Surface. So we're still going to have you know Surface Pro 3, but this one is maybe more designed for students or schools or mobile professionals, someone that just wants a you know slightly kind of smaller device. So we're down to kind of 10.8 inch, whereas all of the you know Surface RT, Surface 2, Surface Pro 1, Surface Pro 2 were all 10.6, so we're up to 10.8. We still retain the kind of 3 by 2 aspect ratio of uh, Surface Pro 3, which is great for reading, great for kind of app snapping side by side, which I which I showed Nate before, and, and kind of all of that in a device that is thinner than the Surface Pro 3, so 8.7 millimeters lighter, it's down to about 600 grams. We actually could have made this as thin as an iPad Air, but we believe there's just so much, it's really important to have those ports. It's really important to have a heavier device. People want to plug stuff in. People want to do real work. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just hassling you. <laughs> and, and so we, yeah, we we think that whole having you know ports is a is a pretty important thing on Surface. So we've got the USB three there. Certainly, that might change in the future as USB C you know gets more and more popular. Yeah. So I mean, is there any sort of rationale you can share? Because we you know we've just had the new MacBook here. And of course, Google. What's their new Chromebook called? I'll just call it the new Chromebook. Yep. Chromebook Pixel. 2 That's or the one. Yep. yep, the Chromebook Pixel Two. Both of those have got USB-C, which we've actually got ones sitting around uh, here somewhere. If you guys haven't uh, haven't seen the new, uh, the amazing new USB-C cable. And I mean, what's exciting about that is you've just got the standard connector that can go in either direction. And I guess ultimately it will be very, very universal, and it will replace the connectors on all our existing phones that are micro USB so why is there a micro USB charger on this new Surface? So well so we're using a micro USB charger to charge the device I think your question is why why have we got a USB 3 connector rather than a USB-C? Well you couldn't you have done both though with both connectors couldn't you put two USB-C's for instance and had one to charge over and so on? You see, we certainly could have I mean the problem with USB-C is it's too new. This, this is probably the only device within a five-kilometer radius of this building. Oh, the only uh, USB-C cable. Yeah, so it's a. <laughs> and bit we of are a, in Auckland CBD. It's a bit of a chicken and egg problem, and and so certainly you know there'll be a time when we put something like that into Surface, but yeah, but it's that, true. I couldn't find any of those to buy in New Zealand, so I ordered it offshore. And so the challenge is, you know, do you do what Apple does and sell people connectors for everything to transition from one to the old, and so. Those are all the things we've got to kind of think about when we make um, make a device. So it's more than like I mean, we will see USB C coming through in future devices, yeah, right? Absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. going it's 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 to it's going to take off, you know, in PC as well. Just like later this year, we'll start to see a lot more of the YGIG wireless docking stuff happen, you know, happen inside PC as well. Um, yes, yeah, and it's fair to say the new smartphones that have just you know been been announced by. HTC by Samsung and so on. None of those are using USB-C yet either, so yeah. it is it is still very limited. Uh, so but, a couple of yeah. you know, one really really cool thing about this device, Paul, is this is the very first uh, Intel um, Atom X7 device on the market. Yes, you probably talked about the X7s back uh, when you did the Mobile World Congress. Uh, no, we didn't actually dive in and, and chat about them. Um, although that was where, where I guess it was the the X7 and the X5 and the X3 were announced. Well, maybe we did, but it, it's sort of a rebranding of the uh, the Atom chips, and these yeah. are the new 
smaller, yeah, better power consumption. Yeah, so this is the this um, is the first chips. atom chip that uses the new Intel's new fourteen nanometer uh, uh, process. So they've got X three, X five, X seven. This this is X seven means that it's team teamed up with a global LTE modem. Um, I think it you know covers about twenty odd bands. Um, performance is great. I've had oh, hold on, just jumping back on that LTE, that might leave people thinking that one's got LTE. Uh, or 4G uh, or 3G capability in it, but it doesn't in the New Zealand market at this point in time, does we're, it? We're not. We we haven't specified a date. We will be launching LTE for this device in New Zealand. It's going to be available overseas, and and we're just working through that. So when we launch this device in New Zealand um, next What's month, that, beginning of May, the first week of May, um, it's initially going to be available here just 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 on Wi-Fi. Right, but we would expect to see the um, mobile embedded option. It's something that we are something we're working on. Okay, um, but the the you know the the X seven is actually a pretty good chip. Um, the graphics is two point seven times faster than the previous chip, which is Bay Trail. So this is known as Cherry Trail. Um, so really, really fast. And I saw Nate using the screen before. The screen is actually brighter uh, and got better color than even the Surface Pro three. The speakers are louder than Surface Pro three. Um, still has the pen. So this is a... The pen's an optional extra as well, isn't it? So the, what we're talking is 799 is the, is the base price for uh, one with 2 gigs of RAM and uh, 64 sort of embedded yep. um, SSD-type uh, storage. And then it's, what is it, 959 for one with 4 gigs of RAM and uh, 128 yep. gigs of storage. Yep. Yep, and they've, they've both got that same X7 uh, processor, so they're both going to be reasonably... You know, reasonably snappy. They all have not as fast, obviously, as the Surface Pro Three. With to, oh, to, get, to give you an idea, the X Seven, the X Seven in this device is about eighty to ninety percent of the speed of the Core i Three. So you talk, you're still talking about a pretty, pretty fast device. Certainly faster than a lot of people think Atom, and they think you know, slow, crappy netbook from ten years, five years ago. Um, Adam's not like that anymore. You know, we've been through Clover Trail, Bay Trail, and now onto Cherry Trail. And it do, and it does depend on the sort of apps you're running. It is a quad core processor, so yeah, some apps will t- take better yeah. use of uh, of that and, than and, others. You know, and the, the the Surface business is actually going pretty well. You know, we've we announced that uh, it's a billion dollar business, which is kind of no no mean feat. Um, and you just have to look around New Zealand. You know, the TV3 news stuff on Saturday night with the by election, they were using three Surface Pro threes. Uh, on what did, the, what did uh, you pay them to do that, Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I love um, I love walking into co lounges and airport lounges now, and it's not just a sea of Apple logos. You're actually starting to see business people using these, and it's a it's a great it's a great feeling to, to see people actually using uh, using our Surface devices. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm certainly seeing them around a bit more, and uh, you know, I think that popularity will you know will increase because they're they're very much a you know, fairly unique device out there still. I mean, we're seeing HP and, you know, varying others that are bringing in those sort of two-in-one Windows devices that can operate, uh, yeah, as a mix of a tablet and a laptop, but there's there's nothing that's that's really quite like the Surface, and, yeah, I think this is a this is a pretty interesting uh, launch. So we're talking now, screen size is 10.6 inch, isn't it? 10.8 inch. 10.8. It's so. a 1920-1280. Uh, um, it's a 214 PPI, so it's getting up into that, you know, retina-esque... Uh, uh, screen res, um, and yeah, like just when you when you when you use this and surfing the web or looking at photos and stuff, you'll just see really how nice the screen is. It's all optically bonded. It's got the active digitizer like the Pro Three. Um, 
cameras are better than the Pro 3 actually um, 3.5 on the front 8 megapixels on the rear uh, autofocus which the Pro 3 doesn't have so you can take um, photos of QR codes or, or business cards or images and documents a bit easier than Pro 3 um, yeah so all around pretty, 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 pretty nice device Pro 3 obviously stays around and we've got a pretty healthy. Ro- I guess for how long is the question? I guess you're not going to answer that for us either, right? You know, we've got, we got we've got a pretty healthy roadmap of other of other devices, other form factors that we'll, we'll be talking about, you know, later in the year. And, and you know, you'd think that kind of Windows 10 is that kind of time frame to for, for something like that. Okay, that's good. Uh, now, yeah, one of the things because you know, keeping a watch on some of the competitive uh, products. Of course, Apple just announced uh, recently their uh, their new uh, MacBook Air, which uh, comes in as a as a reasonably um, reasonably light product. Um, one of the one of the interesting things around the new MacBook. We talked, it's got that USB-C, um, but it has a webcam which is 480p. So this is sort of at the opposite end of the scale as far as if you're going to be doing Skype conferencing and calling, right? You've got a, a it's full high definition, the camera. It is. I think, um, I think it's kind of one of those weird things, though, where, Paul, where you end up in a bit of a kind of a pissing competition with the specs, and it's a bit like, um, you know, my camera's got more megapixels than yours, you know. You you can certainly have a 480p camera that'll be better than a 720p camera. Um, so, look, I, I, you know, I've obviously not seen one of those new 12-inch MacBooks, um, but the, the, the camera on this guy is um, is pretty nice. Certainly, mm. certainly no, it just, nice it just stood out as one of the one of the more um, yeah, it did stand out as one of the more sort of standout standout features. But we'll wait until we spend a bit of time playing playing around with it. And um, yeah, as you say, maybe it's absolute rubbish, Nathan. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it won't be too bad at all. Uh, now, a couple of other things wanted to talk with you about since since you're here. A uh, bit of a catch up on Windows 10. Now, last time we, we chatted, I guess that was becoming available for those who wanted to uh, you know, down, download it and, and try it. That's now been out there for a little while. There's been a couple of updates recently. Uh, new uh, Spartan browser has, has become available um, in a sort of in a, in a, you know, at a sort of test perspective. Um, HoloLens, we've heard a little bit about that. So maybe you can just sort of run us through what's what's going on in the Windows 10 world and how, how far off is it? Have there been any sort of changes in availability dates and so on? So we've we've always said mid-year and, and we're still going to be mid-year. Can't, can't talk about tonight uh, about when that is, but um, we are releasing the manufacturer in June. Um, so you can imagine that it won't be too long uh, after that kind of, kind of time frame. Um... Things are kind of starting to pick up. Things are coming together. There's more, like as you say, there's more and more and more builds going out to the Insiders program. Thousand and Forty One came out the other day, which is the first one that we've put the Spartan Spartan browser into. A few more icons, a few more logos that are coming in. The virtual desktop stuff is working a bit better now. You can drag apps between the virtual desktops. Um, there's still a way to go. There's still some things that we've got up our sleeves that we haven't announced yet, which we're going to excite people with. Uh, our build conference is on in San Francisco at the, at the end of next month. 
Uh, well, that's when people were, uh, there were sort of some rumours going around, that was when you were going to show off the new Surface 3, and here you are having uh, announced it today. So um, yeah, sometimes yeah. you surprise. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, there's, look, there's still a bunch of cool things to, 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 to come. Um, you know, Windows Phone is a little bit further behind uh, in terms of the, the builds that are coming out. They're not coming out as regularly for, for phone, but that will also start to pick up uh, over the next kind of, you know, fortnight or so. You'll start to see more and more uh, more and more builds coming out for phone as well. Um, now, tell, tell, tell us about this new, uh, the new browser. Why, why is there a need for another browser and, you know, what, what's going to be special about it? The challenge with browsers, um, you know, probably your, your listeners, you know, know completely well the kind of history of Internet Explorer, particularly around the kind of IE6 time frame. You know, it still holds a pretty bad reputation out there with yep. a lot of people, as well. You're admitting to, isn't yep. it? And, um, and and for a variety of you know for a variety of reasons uh, you know around that. And sure. so we, we essentially we need to come up with a new browser to actually break free from that legacy problem of. Um, you know, of that installed base or of, you know, of developers that have coded their sites to work on a particular version, you know, of the browser. There's essentially no way to support both future and legacy at once. It's just impossible. Um, and, and, you know, Chrome and Firefox have, I guess, have a bit of an advantage there because they are decoupled from the OS. They can keep themselves, you know, up, up to date. Um, and they don't have that kind of legacy install based problem of IE6. So what we'll see in Windows 10 is Project Spartan, which is just a code name, that will become the default browser for Windows 10. Um, uh, but what will happen is inside mainly businesses and things like that that still need to use a version of IE for maybe a web app or an SAP or an Oracle or something like that that needs a particular version of the browser, IE will still be there. IE is basically using the uh, the Trident engine. Project Spartan is using this new engine, which is called uh, Edge Edge HTML. So it's basically a modern browser that will keep up to date, you know, going forward. Um, and, and Spartan brings in some pretty interesting things around some some new stuff you can do for collaborating on the web, which is actually in the build that came out on Monday around being able to ink and share uh, whatever you're looking at on your on your web page. So you'll be able to use your, use your pen, your stylus to sort of. Sc- Scribble on things and share them around. Yeah, um, annotate a web page. Annotate, share. You know, share with other people. Um, also, got a great you know reading mode, so you can take you know easily take a whole bunch of websites um, uh, you know o- offline. Um, and look, it's just a, a new, fresh uh, look to the browser, kind of minimal, minimalist design in terms of the UI. It's you know it's meant to be just you know all the web all the time, not not full of toolbars. Um, and, and so yeah, we, it doesn't. And, you know, you can't install browser handler objects. You can't install, you know, toolbars or all those things that you know slow the browser down and and make people think IE is crap. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be moving away from that, and that's also part of the, the rebranding of IE. We'll come up with a new brand, uh, and, and we'll be we'll be we'll be announcing that soon. But you know, under the covers, IE is still there for people that still 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 need to use it. Still need it, Nate. From your perspective as a developer, do you still need Internet Explorer? Or are you oh, waiting for it to die? Dear God, Internet Explorer should die. Okay, so uh, bit of, bit of support there. Ever, for... ever since I've been a developer, it's always been that unholy <laughs> trinity of IE, <laughs> Firefox, or Netscape Navigator back in the day, and Chrome, and it's very frustrating, especially when you're doing some sort of web dev, uh, web development, that Chrome and Firefox would always be really good, and then IE would just crap itself. And it's, yeah, 
So, all right. So, long live the new whatever rises from the ashes of I. But I will not be weeping when I is gone. Excellent. All right. Now, one quick thing: uh, augmented reality, Hololens. Nathan, when are we going to see that in New Zealand? Will Microsoft sort of have some dev units? Uh, you've got any anything's going on sort of locally, and you know, how long away is it till that actually yeah, sort of launches? So we uh, and I think we t- I think I might have t- we t- might have talked about this last time I came on. Um, the, the HoloLens is uh, some, a new virtual reality goggles that we are bringing out that kind of lets you overlay um, holographic computer images over the real world. And so there's, you know, people kind of immediately think entertainment, Xbox, things like that, but there's also a whole bunch of interesting business scenarios, whether it's um, you know, engineering or GIS or, or a whole bunch of interesting scenarios. So we're, we've actually got a, a, a New Zealand customer who is on the early adopter program for both Windows 10 and for HiLens. Uh, and we're working through with them uh, around the device and around the application that they're going to use on them. And um, that might be something that we can talk about more in a, uh, in a future um, future episode when we when we get that customer closer to um, to announcing it. Sounds interesting. We'll look forward to that. Now, jumping on to other topics, uh, this week we've had a bit of a. Well, a, a deadline that came up in relation to uh, .nz domain names. Now, many people will recall, and uh, we've talked about this in the past, that uh, New Zealand uh, Domain Name Commission, which is owned by Internet NZ, uh, started uh, la- or launched sort of a year or so back the um, the ability to buy a domain name without the .co or the .org in front of the .nz. So, uh, for instance, my company was able to buy Gorilla .nz as a as a name. Um, Nate, I imagine you've uh, you've done the same in terms of local presence. Even though you use your .com, you probably bought your .nz. Yeah, we bought the .nz. It's funny because in buying the .nz, um, it makes our domain one character shorter than the .com, but um, I think the whole shortening up of the domains is a good move. It just uh, creates a little bit more space. Um, we're seeing the new TLDs coming out as well, which is everything that um, suffices after that last dot. So Top-level you know, domain uh, names. For example, Google's just bought um, .app, and it went to auction. They, they spent like $22 million on it because it went to auction because there's so many other people wanting it. It's ridiculous. But I think the normal fee is about two hundred fifty grand. You can get whatever you want at the, at the end, and it's just... You know, the dot-com space is crammed with, with companies and with squatters, you know, people wanting to buy, for example, you know, gorillatechnology.com, and then they'll come to you, Paul, and say, hey, look, I've got this. Give me, you know, normally something ridiculous, like a million bucks. And um, well, Luckily, I bought, I bought that one. What I didn't buy was gorilla.com when I should have. But. So the, the launch that happened on Monday at 1 o'clock was everyone that owned uh, .co.nz or .net.nz or .org.nz, you had first dibs at getting it. Um, and then if someone else had one of the other variations, you could argue over it and say if you wanted it or not. And they had it started like six months ago or four yeah, months ago? Yeah, it was quite a while ago. Uh, yeah, probably well, when the whole ago. thing when the whole thing launched last year. So, uh, yeah, it's been it's been open for, yeah, not a, not a year actually, but, uh, um, yeah, since... since the, so if you registered your interest, I think you've got two years to do something with it. But if you didn't register any interest or anything, um, it pretty much became a free-for-all. So yeah, you were able to go through and do a... 
do a reservation. So you tweeted about a whole stack of them that I thought you'd squatted on, like Qantas <laughs> and Singapore Airlines. I'm like, Paul's going to be going to jail shortly. Yeah, so no, this was interesting. I was just doing a little bit of research. Uh, research and, and, and like converted sort of commas? Well, no, one, one of the, the roles of, of, of my company, Gorilla Technology, is, you know, is helping our customers to make yeah, the smart use of technology. And so one of those things is looking at domain names and what they should be doing online and so on. So yeah, we'd gone through and uh, yeah, basically talked to them all about getting their uh, their .nz domain names, and we were just doing some sort of final uh, checking last week to make sure everything had sort of got got across the line. Um, and in that, that uh, started having a little bit of a broader look to to see how other companies had gone. And uh, one of the names that I searched for was I I just put in Skype to see whether you know Skype had got their name and then after that I tried uh, Xbox and uh, I realised uh, soon after and then went on to varying other sort of international companies I soon realised that there was a, a little bit of an issue uh, with predominantly sort of multinational uh, companies that I think have outsourced the management of their domains uh, in terms of how they were managing and acquiring the shorter versions of their uh, domain names. I wonder if they are worried, though. Like, for example, something like Skype. You know, if you have got something that's trademarked, you can go to the domain name commissioner and then say that this person's registered something that's infringing on your trademark and unless the person can come up with a, a, a valid claim. The, the classic one is Domino's Pizza. There's a, a guy who owns Domino's.co.nz and Domino's Pizza fought him for it and lost because he actually had it well before... Um, Domino's Pizza came to this country. So. Well, also, you know, Domino's is, you know, on it on its own. It's, I mean, it's okay. it's it's a thing. You know, yeah. it's a it's a game, as you say. So, but if you've got that trademark, you can go to the DNC, and if you've got a, a valid trademark, you're more than likely to win. So, I wonder if people like Skype and Singapore Airlines and Qantas and the other brands that you tweeted about will just say, "Well, that's ours, headed over," and they get it by. Well, phone. it's not as easy as that because it does cost quite a lot of money in terms of legal fees to to do this. So. In the first instance, all they could have done is gone through a very simple administrative process and acquired yep. acquired their names. So I think what happened here is a lot of these companies, uh, because it was, as I say, outsourced to uh, to a big American firm that, that manages these things, and some of them were local companies as well, um, but yeah, in a lot of cases, these things were uh, were outsourced. And I'm just try, f- trying to find the uh, the full name of the uh, the firm that's involved. Uh, I think it was uh, CSC. Um, so he- here's one. Here's an example. So General Electric own uh, lots and lots of domain names around the world. Uh, and in New Zealand, they own General Electric. .co.nz and have done uh, since, this is how important it is to them, they've had that since 1998, so for 17 years they've been paying for that name uh, and it's linked back through a registrar called CSC Corporate Domains in um, Delaware in the US and if you look up CSC Corporate Domains, you see that they're responsible, you know, that's what they say, is we're the experts in looking after this stuff, and we look after all the new domain names that come up and so on. Uh, anyway, they do that on behalf of Microsoft, General Electric, and I think Boeing, and all sorts of other companies. What I found was they seem to have shirked their responsibilities in this case, so... 
uh, a lot of companies that had New Zealand domain names. Home Depot, which is an, you know, a big company in America, they had a .co.nz. They didn't get their .nz. Boeing.co.nz, owned by Boeing, they didn't get the .nz. Uh, Citibank, Citigroup, uh, Bendon, Mobile. Uh, we talked about Skype and Xbox, and uh, in that case, I think there was a slightly better outcome, wasn't there, Nathan? Yeah, well, I, so I grabbed some of those on behalf of Microsoft <laughs> to make sure we had them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I gave a few people a, a, a heads up after doing this research, and that was one of the, I guess one of them was to alert you, another one was uh, um, Huawei in New Zealand, who were in you know, a similar boat, and um, yeah, those were able to be attended to, but I think uh, I've got here on my list Mitre 10, uh, Becker, a uh, yeah, big company here in New Zealand, uh, PGG, uh, Wrightsons had pgg.co.nz. I don't know if they, they picked that up. They didn't appear to. Uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi. So I think there's, 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 prob- there's probably an element of, particularly when you're talking about the global multinationals, there's probably an element of they don't care. Um, you know, and then I guess the flip side of that is they need to, you know, they need to maintain their their brands and their trademarks. And I think one of the challenges around that is it's just never ending. Like you said, Nate, there's a whole bunch of the new, uh, you know, first level domains. Um, it's just going to be a never ending thing of, of of needing more and more and more domain names. But they pay. I mean, these these are. Re- I think these are reasonably important names. Yeah, um, some yeah. of the other ones, and I haven't double checked through all of these to see what happened. Uh, Qantas and Jetstar. I know they lo- they lost their .nz versions, and these are companies that are using the .co.nz today. And you would imagine would move to the shorter ones. Uh, LinkedIn was in there. Uh, McDonald's. Uh, the thing I'm uh, thing I'm curious about is what happens um, when you get in a conflict situation. It, it appears that if the other person you're in conflict with does nothing, you're just in a stalemate and nothing ever happens. Yeah, I think they actually have to log in and say I'm happy for whoever is on the other side. Yeah, so if you're in that position where someone owns the .co.nz, someone owns the .org.nz, the current state is if neither of you agree, then no one gets the .nz, so that could become a could so, become and, an issue. But so the ones I've listed were all, you know, were all generally generally available. Yeah. There was also Nike and Adidas, Gucci. I mean, these these aren't small uh, small firms. VMware yeah, yeah, VMware was on my list. So, um, yeah, it was quite interesting. Just I just did a, a sort of a search on the biggest companies and, and brands in the world. And when I went through, um, when I was looking yesterday, and I don't know if this has changed yet, but um, British Airways, Singapore Airlines, Lufthansa, um, they they hadn't got theirs, and no one had actually cyber squatted on them yet either. But the other ones, I <laughs> the, the other ones, um, Salesforce was in there. The the other ones um, were mostly picked up, and I imagine these cyber squatters will be able to get themselves a few thousand dollars in each case, because to, to go through the legal process is probably going to cost five or ten thousand dollars to to resolve these in 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 most cases a minimum i think it's a two thousand dollar fee to the domain name commission to sort of uh you know lodge that that um uh yeah appeal so uh or or lodge that uh, that complaint so um one of the company as i mentioned i did pass this on to to a couple of companies one company that i alerted and didn't do anything was uh lenovo so i just before the podcast started i've snapped that up and will be uh offering that back in their direction if they uh want it before it was jumped on by a cyber squatter um yeah it'll be it'll be curious what happens with these uh with these other ones all right Nate, um, do you need any thoughts on that? No, it's just, it's just to, to 
add a final comment to it. I suppose controlling what Nathan said before about controlling your brand, there's that um, presidential candidate in the, the States, Ted Cruz, and the, the sort of running jokes going that he doesn't actually own tedcruz.com. And uh, I think people, whoever does own it, had put up a site, and the people going to it think it's his official site, but he doesn't actually own it. Someone else has registered it. So I think it is important to control yeah. you know, at least the main control, control your own brand yeah. it's, al- it's almost a, uh, it's almost a bit like uh, Twitter handles um, you know I was reading a story the other day of a guy who went and registered a whole bunch of country names uh, around the world in, in 2006 2007 whenever Twitter started and he didn't do it for nefarious purposes. He was trying to give the, the, the handles back to their respective countries. And anyway, long story short, there's a, there's a good, there's a good, good story about how, how just how persistent he was, like with Japan and with Brazil, constantly contacting and trying to find someone in the government who he, who he could actually hand the, the domain back to. Hmm. Yeah, well, that it's yeah, it's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Um, people, people care, but not surprising. People try and do the right thing. Well, some people try and do the right thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, what I would say is, we haven't really fully transitioned very, or well, we haven't transitioned very well with the, the the shorter domain names in New Zealand, the .nzs. So, I checked uh, yeah, a couple of the, couple of the banks I deal with: ASB, BNZ, Westpac. Um, they all own the .nzs, um, but if you type that shorter URL in, which I think we would all like to if we're typing in a URL to type the shortest one possible, um, they haven't bothered to set those up to redirect to their current right. their current so, site. So they just go nowhere. So it just nothing happens. Uh, yeah, I think that, that's, that's, that's... Although, a, to be fair, that's probably on purpose. They, they probably have so much trouble with people who don't understand technology typing in the wrong thing that at least if it shows nothing, it's better than it redirecting to a malware site, I think. So I think they, sh- they need to keep on topic. For example, ASB, the, the website you go to is asb.co.nz. That's our main website. No, but they've got, they've got more than that already right now because I already go to asbbank.co.nz and, you know, I can't remember what the other variations are. So I don't know. It should forward you to, to the legit one, I, I think. So I know amongst our listeners, we've got uh, all sorts that are reasonably high up in their organisations, whether they're CIOs at government departments, universities, banks or... CEOs, um, I think you guys should get on to uh, get onto that from a branding perspective. So uh, I'll check I'll check those sites again in a few weeks and let's see uh, be, see how they're doing. You know, you know how you're talking about that that global you know company that handles all the domain names. It'd be interesting mm. if there's you know a company that actually looks after trademarks and makes sure that you've got all of the right trademarks around the world. And yeah. it's probably a bit of an opportunity there. There might be. Well, well, I guess that's what CSC was, was, was set up, was to handle some of the stuff, and it shows that it is a little bit difficult. Also, I came across some small you know, local companies that had, uh, had forgotten as well. And um, you know, in, w- in one case, it was a crossover with one of our clients, and they had the same initials, uh, and our client really wanted those initials .nz and uh, conveniently managed to acquire them because... Uh, um, the the IT company that was looking after them, I guess, hadn't uh, yeah hadn't thought to discuss it, which is interesting. Uh, now, other things just before we finish up, um, Office three six five, uh, Microsoft Office three six five, Microsoft CRM. They're now being hosted out of Australia. I understand, Nathan? 
Yep, so both CRM Online um, and Office 365 started being hosted out of Australia on Monday this week, we announced. Nice. And that's um, for new new sign-ups, isn't it? So it'll be a few months before existing for, customers It's for new sign-ups, and we're basically starting the transition of moving customers who are in Singapore and Hong Kong uh, over to Australia. Um, uh, so we basically have two data centers there, one in um, so south and southeast, so one in Sydney, one in Melbourne. And, and basically all of those customers who have got their billing addresses set for New Zealand will start to be moved um, kind of around about September. There is actually a beta program where people can, can opt in early, um, but basically we will do it automatically starting in September for no cost. People can opt out of it if they don't want to be moved. But I think um, the you know the latency and stuff over there is just going to be so much so much better. So we're performance wise, it'll it'll be almost as though those um, those servers are in New Zealand. You know, com- compared to you know where they are now, it'll be a fraction of the the time, won't it? Yeah, for sure. All right, that's good. And uh, lastly, Symbol. Now, yesterday we had uh, we finally had the the launch announcement, and, and uh, Symbol is the the mobile wallet offering, uh, which is it comes from a, a combination of companies, uh, Paymark, Nate. They're sort of the guys that handle uh, electronic transactions, FPOS transactions, and most, so on. Most of them. There's the two yeah. networks. You've got Paymark and FPOS New Zealand. Yep. So you've got the two, but Paymark is by far the biggest one. Yep. So uh, Symbol is, is sort of tied in with them. Um, also, they've got ASB and uh, BNZ on board, and they've got the three uh, mobile networks in uh, Two Degrees, Spark, and Vodafone. So all of their CEOs uh, line, lined up to, uh, to launch that yesterday. And so if you're on any of those mobile networks, which if you're in New Zealand, uh, you kind of have to be unless you're on some um, you know, virtual um, mobile, mobile provider. MVNO. That's the word um, or the the acronym. Uh, so yeah, you should be able to get that sim, but you do need to have a credit card with either ASB or BNZ. Uh, but if you all those pieces come together, then you get the special sim. If you've got the right Android smartphone, you can turn that into a um, sort of um, contactless uh, you know, payment method. So I've got that new sim card now in one of my f- phones here, uh, and by going into the app, linking in the credit card, I can then tap that just like you do with your, um, you know, PayWave um, and what's the other one? PayPass, PayPass and PayWave, the Visa and Mastercard uh, terms for, you know, effectively tapping on the uh, the payment terminal to pay. And you can also set a default card. So if your phone goes flat and you need to, you know, buy that last drink before you get, before you head home. Um, even if your phone's flat uh, or you've just switched off, you can set it so there's a particular card that defaults to which I thought was pretty cool. So even if the phone's off, you can still... Correct. So you run out of batteries, you can still... Um, you can still keep drinking. I happily. think you, you don't you have to have a little bit of juice in there for it to go through. This is what I recall from one of the one of the trials a year or a year or so back. If your oh, phone okay. had been flat for two or three days and there was just nothing in the battery, I had a recollection that it, that okay. it might have got stuck. But uh, we, I'm yet yet to test that again. Uh, we'll have a bit of a play with this over the next uh, next week or week or so. Um, I think it's amazing, Paul, that you've actually got all three of those telcos who you know who are effectively so fierce competitors together. Um, you know, there's obviously some good reasons behind that. Um, they want they want to set that up and control that themselves, rather than have someone else come in and you know and set that up. And it's um, well, yeah. we've got we've got Westpac and ANZ that are off on their own 
yeah. you know, track, and they're not involving the, uh, the, the the telcos. So, yeah, they've got a, a different approach. And, yeah, they say this type of agreement is a world first. There's never been anything like it uh, anywhere else. I, you know, I hope that having so many, you know, key players together, that's going to give a bit of momentum to this. That said, when I went in to get my uh, my SIM yesterday from a Vodafone store in St. Luke's in Aul- here in Auckland, uh and we asked, um, asked you know, how many of these have you given away today? Uh, and I thought they said 45. And I said, was that 45 or 425? And they said, oh, yeah, between four and five of them. Um, and there was somebody else standing next to me, um, one, of the, one of the guys from uh, one of the Geek Zone members. Um, so if you took the two of us out, there were two or three people that had been in. Of course, it was all you know, just brand new news. There weren't many places you could get those SIM cards uh, at yeah. the time and uh, went across to uh, the Spark store. And they did, thought we were talking another language when we said, have you got a SIM or SIM? And they were like, what? And we were like, you know, mobile wallet. And they were all a bit com- confused. So, so it need, is brand new. So you need the special SIM, which has got Correct. the secure module or whatever. Secure blah, element, blah, blah. yep. Um, and then you need to have a specific device or you need to have a specific yeah, so version the, of Android? The, at That's the a, moment, uh, most of the, the devices, are, well, there's some HTC, uh, one M8, one M7, uh, a bunch of the Samsungs S3 through to S5, um, and there's a Vodafone handset on there. There's a reasonably short list at the moment, uh, but, yeah, it's good that there's a few devices. There are a few gotchas depending on your device, so if you've got one you sourced in another country, it might not work. Uh, if you've got, like, what I've got here in terms of review models that have got slightly different software on them, uh, that can throw a spanner in the works. Uh, so, yep, just, you know, worth being being aware of. Uh, $5 for the SIM card from Spark, uh, which is their usual sort of uh, price, and uh, and Vodafone at the moment, as long as you've got a compatible device for it, they won't uh, they won't charge you for the uh, for the SIM card. So, you do have to go to a Vodafone store. I went down to what I thought was a Vodafone store uh, down from our office on Broadway in Newmarket, and they also had no idea what was going on. Um, I rang Vodafone triple seven, and the only two stores that they could recommend was and they didn't even say St Luke's actually. They said Sylvia Park. Or Queen Street, those are the only two. So I gave up and just ordered online. The SIM card's actually free, so I think I've got half a dozen of them coming to the office tomorrow. Um, but you just pay a $4 courier fee. So, yeah, that's what I've done. So you do need to check, and I'd ring, I'd recommend, rip, if you're a Vodafone customer as I am, ring 777 first and find out if where you're going is actually a proper store because you will be disappointed because none of the other stores know what symbol is. Yep, that, that, that'll change though. Um, yeah, I think you know, now that we've, we've got a growing number of... Uh, um, suitable terminals in New Zealand that can actually work with with these sort of cards. Um, you know, we'll see that uh, that side of things moving along. Um, yeah, uh, we're picking up a little bit of pace, but still somewhere around thirty to maximum, I think forty percent of of terminals. I would suspect probably at more at the thirty percent end at the moment that will support these. Uh, whereas in other countries like Australia, um, there's a lot more you know um, terminals that can can actually accept payments this way. It's kind of funny because, you know, we were first with FPOS. We were kind of first with that pay wave compared to Australia. What, what What's Australia done that they suddenly have a whole bunch extra of those terminals? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It must, there's something that sort of, uh, you know, pushed that. I guess here in New Zealand, 
we, you know, there was a forced change of FPOS yeah. terminals to meet sort of uh, the new, new standards. Nate, you know all about that. Oh, I know too much about FPOS. Um, but that, that, the timing of that wasn't sort of yeah, such, and I guess too early, right? So if it had been a little bit different, it might have been that yeah. you know that they could have forced that all in as part of that uh, change. But that that wasn't the case here. So maybe we were uh, we were too quick in in that case. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it uh, from us. Hey, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, Nate, where do we track you down online? Uh, it's pretty simple. Just at Nate on Twitter. Um, I also blog on Geekzone as well, so you can read it there. Excellent. And I am Nathan M on Twitter, and you'll also find me on Geekzone as well. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you both for uh, for joining me. Uh, you can track me down at Paul Spain on Twitter. Uh, and you can uh, find out about our other podcasts at, now we're talking short domain names, at podcast.nz. Uh, or if you really like to still have the old school, you can you try uh, podcast.co.nz. All right, thanks, everyone. Catch you next week. Bye. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.